All right, this is our first question time where we're responding to your comments on our weekly question. And I've got my little helper here today, my girlfriend, Mary. Our first question is, what was your biggest mental health lesson of 2022? And how have you implemented it so far in 2023? All right, what's the first one? Thank you guys for your comments. So first up, we've got Fat Rossi. Love, Fat Rossi, great name. Love the name. Uh, he said, sleep. Sleep is a weapon. Once you start to lack sleep, things start to go downhill. I'll track my sleep. I'll have a bedtime and a wake up time. And we probably undervalue the fact that sleep's just the basis for everything else. Your brain repairs the most during REM sleep. And that's when you're dreaming. And the most intense period of that is in the last couple of hours of that eight hour cycle. So if you're missing that, and you're only getting five or six hours every night, then you're not getting the main part of that brain repair. And that adds up over time and you're going to end up being impaired. It's a really good topic to bring up because historically poor sleep was viewed as a symptom of poor mental health. And these days contemporary clinicians are actually seeing that sleep is more of a direct causal factor in the maintenance and the experience of mental health. So one of the most basic forms of treatment for various mental health disorders like bipolar straight away is sleep routine. And one of the classic torture techniques is sleep deprivation as well, because it's known like that's one of the worst things that you can do to someone is keep them awake. Another thing is obviously caffeine, because I smash caffeine all the time. And I know you do too, we just had a coffee. Caffeine blocks a chemical in the brain called adenosine. And adenosine is the chemical that's responsible for making us feel sleepy. So when you're drinking caffeine, I think a lot of people think that that's giving me energy, but really it just blocks adenosine, which stops you from feeling tired temporarily. But when that wears off, you're extra tired. So you can't just keep pouring caffeine on top of your lack of sleep forever. There's definitely, you know, two categories of people there, those that experience insomnia symptoms and those that don't. But I guess um, for the average person like myself who doesn't experience insomnia, it's more just about the routine and actually prioritizing how important that is to have those set times and they're non-negotiable. So I find that when I am, I guess, pushing those boundaries a bit, not taking care of myself, going to bed at 12.30 and my ability to cope at work just decreases so rapidly within like one to two days. And you're a deep sleeper too. You're lucky, unlike me. I sleep like a log. Yep. <laughs> All right. Next up, we've got from Now and Zen. Sitting down with your emotions and not stuffing them down, being present with them. And that's easier said than done, isn't it? I think in a world where we've got so many distractions, when we're feeling uncomfortable feelings or we're worried about something, we've got something that we have to deal with rather than sit there and really think about it and feel what we're feeling and express it it's so much easier to just distract yourself and push it off into the future and just try to not confront it i think for so many people and for me included like it's hard to just sit by yourself with your thoughts without those distractions and just allow yourself to feel a lot of people are very uncomfortable with that and there's so many ways you can distract yourself and avoid that but if we just push that off and push that off and push that off, then I think inevitably in the end, it just manifests and comes out and we end up being distressed anyway. Like you can't just keep running from it, yeah. but it takes a lot of self-awareness and maturity to be able to register what you're feeling and why that is and what you need to do to 
be able to take a step forward to actually starting to sort stuff out yeah and i think the most challenging part about that for people is even when you have the best intentions we live in the most complex social world that human beings ever have we're inundated with distractions in every single context so you know it's no wonder that it's so easy for people to just accept distractions but my favorite concept on this topic that a couple of my clinician friends and i always talk about is that every emotion has an exit point So stress will have an exit point, anger will have an exit point, guilt will have an exit point. So when you are engaging in stuffing down your emotions, so to speak, um, it will have an exit point in some way and it won't probably be in your desired context and it probably won't be healthy. And, you know, so a simple example of that is, you know, snapping at people at work or not treating your partner maybe with as much respect as you should be yeah because it has to go somewhere totally those feelings you can't just have them well up inside of you say i don't want to deal with that i'm not going to do anything about it right now and then it's just going to go away on its own yeah like humans are classic for having a problem and not wanting to deal with it and then saying oh if i just put it away i'll forget about it and even if you don't consciously think about it for a while it's still subconsciously and unconsciously there and needs to be resolved and if you don't tackle it then it's gonna like you say it's just gonna bubble up at some other time bleed out on somebody else yeah yeah Yeah. and so yeah i guess that's like the the biggest takeaway on that topic is everything has an exit point so you you just you're not helping yourself by keeping it in yeah i think it's just knowing that you're not gonna feel better until you do resolve it or being aware that the reason why you're still struggling and you know that you are is because you haven't faced whatever that is and you know that that's actually the root cause of it as long as you can understand that and then take the responsibility to actually know that you need to deal with that in a healthy way absolutely all right next up we've got one from izzy pauls helpers aren't immune to mental health problems if you are a mental health helper your own personal health problems matter such a good point yeah i've had some times generally towards the end of the year where i feel like i burn out a bit from doing the podcast from hearing so many people's stories which is such a privilege that i'm honored to do but it does take up a lot of emotional energy and i think it would for anyone and um i have to make sure that i'm having a rest and venting and most importantly looking after my own health otherwise can start to feel overwhelmed and also i think people who are working in health and and mental health where it's really focused on everyone else and how's everyone else feeling yeah if you lose track of where you're at you quickly end up in a situation where you can't help anyone else because that takes a lot of energy and a lot of focus and in my life when i've been struggling mentally or physically or whatever it is then that takes precedent and then the thought of listening to someone else or being able to be there for them becomes Mm. just so much harder to the point where you really don't feel like you should be doing it and of course like no no one's perfect everyone's gonna struggle at different times but when that's happening if you are a a mental health helper or worker Mm. you need to be able to recognize that and not push yourself too far because you feel the weight of expectation like you just have to keep helping others Mm. because you're going to end up not able to do that and the best thing that you can do is actually take a break and look after yourself so that you can get back to doing it i think it's important to note as well like particularly with izzy's comments specifically with mental health workers obviously everyone in the mental health space is trained um 
in getting their own support, having guidance, having um, a mentor, I guess, that can also provide them with like a debriefing space. And, you know, they are trained obviously in self-care to the highest degree. But then on the other side of that, we're in a mental health labor crisis in Australia and they're aware of that there's not enough mental health workers to go around. So I imagine that would be really challenging for them to justify to themselves taking a break, scaling back. Do I see less clients this week to give myself a little bit more breathing room? That's really tough. Yeah, and that's for people who are working in a a paid capacity. Like There's a lot of people who have started grassroots organizations or movements or whatever, and there's no training necessarily for them on how to look after themselves in the process of trying to do a good thing i found it a bit ironic at times where i'm talking about mental health and hearing people's stories and what they've struggled with and how they've been able to fix it and i see myself doing some of the behaviors that are opposite to what i should be doing or what i'm talking about because it's it's easy to talk about something it's harder to put it into practice because you're a human (laughs) yeah because i'm a human yeah that's right and i think it's about reminding yourself that you are human and letting yourself off the hook next up we've got franny jane no one is coming to rescue you it's up to you nothing will change unless you decide to make changes i think we live in a society which likes the idea of heroes and that ultimately someone is going to come and save us and we are going to be rescued and things are all going to work out some other force is going to come into my life and scoop me up and make everything okay and that's that fairy tale line that we're conditioned to believe and think about when we're younger but that's just not the reality and it's so easy to have that victim mentality as well when things aren't going well and there's certain people and life circumstances that you can blame and that feeds the ego in a way as well taking on that kind of mentality of oh well I'm not where I need to be or doing what I want to do in life because of this person or because this happened. And that doesn't mean that people don't deserve sympathy for what they go through. They absolutely do. But ultimately, I think the world just doesn't care about you, not in a bleak way, but you're just one of billions of people. And if you think about your own attitude towards your life, you're so focused on what you're doing and trying to make sure you're okay ultimately. And that's what everyone else is thinking too. And we still think that other people are thinking about us so much and they're judging us but you've got to be able to take that responsibility and say I'm not happy I'm the one living my life and if I don't change it if I don't fix it in a way that's going to be satisfactory for me then that's no one else's problem you're the one who has to sit there and live it and complain every day or make a change and I think a good tip for some people who are really out of practice with this and have supported a few friends who are in this phase of, I guess, um, you know, they haven't been taking responsibility for themselves for an extended period of time and they really get into a rut and it's, it's really hard to break out of, is that every time you actually make one small decision and do one thing to better your life next week, and it can be really, really small, you actually build this deep sense of trust in your own brain in yourself to make decisions that are going to make your life better the advice is often start really really small so if you decide this week i'm going to not leave the dishes in the sink for more than a day and then they do that for a month and that's it and then a month later they add one more thing i'm going to start saving 200 dollars a month 
And then they might think to themselves, oh, well, that's really small. That's stupid. There's no point. But if they just commit to doing that over time, they get in this habit of making self-bettering decisions. And years later, they're able to make decisions that have way more impact because they started so small. Yeah, because it's about building up evidence that you are a person who does what they say that they're going to do and is capable of achieving the goals that you set for yourself. And that becomes your story and your narrative. And you're like, I am that person who does those things and gets to where I want to go and even if you start out really small it's about building that habit and giving yourself all that evidence that you've done it in the past so why can't you do it in the future and then the same can be true if you go the other way and if you're someone who isn't following through and doesn't achieve their goals no matter how small they are then that becomes your story of I'm the person who never gets to where I need to go or never does what I need to do and then that's just something that you're telling yourself but it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy whether it's positive or negative and it's neural pathways as well you've you've got neural pathways that are formed and you have to build new ones and it's not easy say I mean and it's very easy to stay in the same habit I think For myself, I've had experience with this in delaying self-gratification. When I was in my early 20s, I was just shocking at that. It was, if I had money, it had to be spent instantly. If I was bored, I had to go out immediately. If I wanted to buy something, it absolutely had to be that weekend and it had to be the more expensive option. I had to start with delaying self-gratification really, really small. And only now, five to seven years later, I am able to really calmly make decisions that show that I absolutely can delay gratification on a much bigger playing field. So why do you feel like you needed it so much when you were younger, the gratification? Uh, I think probably a few things to do with my environment growing up. I lived uh, with a family member who had incredibly impulsive behaviours. So it's it's that learnt behaviour. And so I entered my early 20s thinking that impulsive behaviour was normal. I was very familiar with it. I watched it being acted out and I acted that out. So it takes time to unlearn those behaviors. Probably being more comfortable with yourself as you get older and more mature, you learn that you don't need that immediate hit of dopamine from getting whatever the thing is right now and that that doesn't deliver any sort of long-term satisfaction and you can kind of calm down a bit and plan stuff out a bit more and play the long game a bit more because you've given yourself some evidence over your life so far that that works. When you're living in that state, you actually don't trust yourself deep down. That's kind of the the crux of it. And now I really trust myself. So if I'm kind of toying with a decision and I hear that voice in my head saying, well, I think you're actually, you should do this and this can wait and that can be done at this time. I trust that voice so hard. But when you are still practicing this and developing this area, you don't trust that voice. Because you haven't refined it enough. Last up, we've got one from Andy Savage. Andy. Andy. Love you, Andy. (laughs) Take full responsibility for the situation you're in, even if it isn't your fault. Find someone you trust to talk to without judgment and be willing to do the work even when you don't feel like it. Yeah, so there's a few there. Being accountable and putting it all down to yourself in the end, like we talked about with the last one, which is super important. And finding one person to talk to is something that I talk about, which I reckon is crucial. So you don't have to tell everyone everything about yourself, but I do believe that you really should find one person that you feel comfortable enough to talk to about whatever that really hard thing is. 
and that might not always be the same person or maybe it will be but just being able to speak that out loud to someone is a massively important part of being able to process something because when you speak it out loud you realize if it makes sense or not Mm. and if you're just keeping it inside your head and not sharing it with anyone then it can start to make sense inside your head and you can start to convince yourself and it's not till you speak it out loud to someone else that you might realize like oh wait that doesn't really make sense or they might be able to say that and then also you can just feel heard and seen and have someone relate to you and it's obvious that they care about you and a problem shared is a problem halved is just about always true i think and then what was his last bit being willing to do the work even when you don't feel like yeah, it. It's easy to do the work when you're feeling good and you've got lots of energy and you're ready to go. But actually having the commitment to go and show up anyway when you don't feel like that, that's what separates people. You become that person. Your narrative yeah. is, I'm the person who does that work, who does the workout, who goes to work, who goes and handles my responsibilities even when I don't want to. Yeah. Then you become that person over time and I think that's massive for Mm self-esteem and being able to trust yourself as well I think the point about that even when it isn't your fault is so crucial because how many times do people kind of sit in like a relationship not necessarily a romantic relationship could be with a family member but like a situation that's not great and they just kind of sit in the negativity oh well it wasn't my fault yeah and it's kind of like and yeah you're the one still sitting in it it's negatively impacting your life so yeah, what's the alternative there? Yeah, you've got to be the bigger person. Otherwise, things aren't going to move anywhere. And that's a huge part of taking responsibility is being able to say, yeah, maybe that was unjust or I have been wronged, yeah. but I have the power. And it's about taking the power back to, I have the power to change this situation and do something about it now. Okay. And I can sit around and hope everyone feels sorry for me or blame whoever this other person is, but mm-hmm. you're going to stay stuck in the same position. Mm-hmm. And often... The person that you're mad at, they don't care that you're mad or that you feel like you can't move on. You have to get to a stage where you're like, well, no matter who was wrong and who was right and whether I deserve this or not, for my own good, I've got to take control back and make it happen myself. Absolutely. And depending on the severity of what you're talking about here, this can really range in in difficulty. But I think it takes real strength to be able to look a situation in the eye and be like, this was incredibly unfair this happened and it was completely out of my control and it is your fault. And sometimes there are scenarios like that and you have to be able to sit with, yep, that can be the case. And also I'm taking responsibility for myself and that takes a lot of strength. Yeah, for sure. So my biggest mental health lesson for 2022 was that I need to share when I'm struggling. That sounds so simple, especially when I do a podcast, that's literally about that. But part of the reason I do that is because I personally find it hard as so many young men do, so many people do. And I have definitely had a tendency to, when I'm going through something, just white knuckle it and not tell people because I've had the the attitude that t- sharing it with people would actually make it harder in a way or like overcomplicate it or I wouldn't want to burden people with it or stress them out, which is dumb because that's the opposite of what I tell people to do. But in honesty, that's just something that I've found difficult. But that ends up making the problem bigger and making you feel worse. And then in your head, you build it up into something that is way bigger than it actually is. And being able to share that with the right person, even if it feels uncomfortable in the moment, if you're blessed to have great people in your life like I do, then they want to help you and actually that starts to minimize that problem and 
you relieve yourself and then you you because part of the worst part of facing something like that is kind of the guilt of keeping it to yourself and if you can unburden yourself from that point and then someone's checking in with you and yeah. working through stuff with you mm. you just you just feel so much lighter from it and it's still still hard to deal with the reality of whatever it is mm. but it's not just you alone trying to do it and yeah just think allowing yourself to be helped yeah and how many times have you i mean i know even the last 12 months how many times have you ended up disclosing something that you thought was going to be really tough and it ended up being not that tough absolutely and i think that's so often the case where you think it's going to be so much worse than it is in your head and the most painful and torturous part of it all is not allowing yourself to share it and just letting that tear you up inside and then when you do you're like oh actually that wasn't nearly as bad as the reality because a lot of our anxiety is trying to predict what's going to happen and they they're these situations that never actually eventuate and that's the thing that's worse than the actual reality of whatever it is i think for a lot of people there's like this assumption of shame and then it actually creates a space of like allowing your relationships to even become more connected and closer because you realize how incredibly supportive the people who love you actually are i've seen you develop that um in your personal life in the last year incredible amounts <laughs> yeah well there's no hiding from you and there's no so hiding a, from me <laughs> that's a really good thing though because but it takes trust and then it's yeah. there's scary because there is a vulnerability there because it's like okay well this is who i really am and i'm not some invincible image that i'm trying to sell yes. and this is who i actually am and i am fallible and yeah being vulnerable is hard like we talk about all the time on the podcast and vulnerability is strength being able to show it in a real way because it does open you up to, well, if this person knows the real me and all the ugly stuff too, then they really know me and then they, you know, that can potentially go south. But without doing that, you don't get all the beauty and the best part of relationships, be they romantic or with your family or with your friends. If they don't know the real you, you don't know the real them, then you can't truly be there to support each other. And that comes at the cost of having to open yourself up and take that leap of faith. But you should do it. That's what I've learned. Beautifully said.